Live from New York City, welcome to the Prohibition Show. I'm Antonio Girola. And I'm Charlie Kilborn. And in this show, we are open to discussing and debating just about any of the happening issues of the day. If there's two sides of an argument, then we will debate it. Today, we are going to debate two interesting topics that fall under one overarching topic of taking life. The topics are the death penalty and assisted suicide. And first as a disclaimer, we just want to say that these topics are not easy. They're not black or white, and they require a lot of analysis. As an audience, you're going to be able to understand and decipher whether or not, in your opinion, we as a society should condone and legalize these forms of taking a human life. These concepts are remarkably similar, both with the premise of the government and us as a society condoning the taking of a human life. Charlie will take the position in both instances in favor of taking life by medically assisted suicide, in which a doctor administers a drug to end one life, and in favor of the death penalty, in which the government similarly injects a toxin to take away one's life. First off, we would like to thank the owner of this show, our inspiration, Professor Alcorn. And also would like to acknowledge our funding for this show. It would not happen without you guys. Specifically, we'd like to thank the Shelley Cullum Davis Endowment. We wouldn't be here today without you guys if you didn't grant us our initial startup money. And we remember this. Everyone are incredibly thankful. First, thanks for tuning in. We are ready to, we're finally ready to start. Sit back. Buckle your seatbelts. And enjoy. So now we're going to the section in which I debate against the death penalty. Now, my first means of looking at why the death penalty is wrong is, is the original founding fathers' intent when they wrote the Constitution. They were seeking to rid our society of barbary, of violence, and lawless behavior of others, other societies that were not thriving, like where they had come from in England. We are a society of law and order, and the death penalty is a direct contradiction of our main principle in the Constitution against cruel and unusual punishment. And there's a great deal of repugnance that comes from this, from a society in which we're proposing that the government kills people and takes away their sanct the most important value in, in life, which is the sanctity of life and freedom. Antonio, 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 I fundamentally disagree with so many parts of that argument. So I want to say that first, it's not repugnant to put dangerous criminals to death. It's repugnant to allow criminals to live. The negative externality, externalities that come with making uh, the death penalty illegal. So I want to share a little story. Five years ago, a 16-year-old girl lost her mother, sister, and her two nephews. They were cold-heartedly shot to death by a gang member, Taekwon Cox. Cock was sentenced to death by a jury of his peers and has been on death row for 30 years after exhausting all his appeals at both the state and federal level. Cox, while on death row, attempted a violent takeover of the Supermax Adjustment Center at San Quentin with the goal to kill as many guards as possible. Cox had nothing left to live for. He was never going to be a free man again and with any positive value towards society. Thus, keeping him alive and prolonging the death penalty process put other guards and inmates in danger. Events like these are preventable if the death penalty is implemented and widely encouraged. Also, the Eighth Amendment in the United States Constitution prevents cruel and unusual punishment. As you stated earlier, the recipient of the death penalty is treated humanely and is not tortured in any way, shape, or form. After the anesthetic is administered, the person feels no pain. The only part of the process that could be considered painful is when the IV is inserted, but that is done in hospitals on a daily basis, and no one is calling that unconstitutional. 
Well, well, I see your points. I mean, I, I, I disagree with your fear-mongering and giving one example in which a particularly heinous person committed a bad crime. Now, I do think they should be punished for the fullest extent of our law. And, and that person should live a horrible life and be, and, and be imprisoned and have their liberties taken away. But the human life is the most sanctimonious thing that anyone can have and anyone can possess. The government should not be allowed to take away your life. And it, it, now, nowadays, it may have been a, a much more humane process, but we can look back to the days of the Green Mile, the movie with Tom Hanks, in which you watch the fact of, of sponges and water be putting on an individual in which they were electrocuted and shocked to death. The death penalty exists around the world, not only in the United States. It should not be allowed anywhere. While an injection may work here, there's plenty of examples in which injections didn't work, in which people suffered and were, were, had to be re-injected, or people being electrocuted elsewhere, or hangings going on in different societies. All of this should not be allowed. The United States should be the model of appropriate, humane behavior from the government, and this is not in our values to kill people. Okay, okay, I hear what you're saying. However, there should be no such thing as one's, one's individual right to do, avoid the death penalty because most of these criminals have already violated someone else's right to live by committing heinous murders. The United States should have the death penalty because it provides closure to the families of victims that were hurt or killed. Many families suffer loss of a lost friend or family member while the killer is still alive with life in prison. Instituting the death penalty would help, would help because many of these families... Uh, go their whole lifetime uh, not being able to overcome this terrible death. Having the murderer put to death would only ensure the victim's families that they are safe from another tra tragedy. Immanuel Kant once said, a famous German philosopher, a, a society that is not willing to demand a life of somebody who has taken somebody else's life is simply immoral. It is immoral not to properly punish a person who has committed such a horrendous crime. The criminal is also executed humanely. In no way he is subjugated to torture or any other form of cruelty. For example, in Omaha, Nebraska, a four-year-old girl, Peyton Benson, was shot in her house. The three suspects, Jalen Montgomery, Vincent Hicks, and Adonis Moses, are receiving a maximum of a lifetime sentence. The Benson family is severely suffering from Peyton's death while they know that those three killers are still going to be alive when the trial is over. Hundreds of families suffer from uh, a family member being murdered, and one way the government can lessen the family's pain is by sentencing the killer or killers to death. Oh, so let, let's let's talk about your German example because clearly the Germans are models for for how the death penalty should be allowed. Now, what I kind of look at is let's look to Nazi Germany, right? They loved the death penalty through firing squads and other means in which technically the Jews were violating some some Nazi laws in which they were killed. I don't think we can use, I don't think that that German philosopher that we use is, is necessarily the best example for how a society should allow the death penalty to thrive. Um, all too often we heard of Nazis using the death penalty through different means of hanging and, and firing squads and, and killing people who didn't agree. Now, our current government is definitely not comparable, comparable to that of the Nazi German regime. But what if they were? What if we did allow a society as, what if we did allow as a society for us to accept that the government kills people? And, and let's say, looking at a negative perspective of tyranny, and the government decides to be more tyrannical, and, and they say, oh, well, 
you know, we have the death penalty on the books, so we're going to use this as a justifiable means of, of killing people that don't agree with us. I think once we give the government the ability at all to kill a person that is not posing a direct harm to them, that is a major negative externality and something that we can't allow from, the, the, we can't allow from our government. Okay, thank you, Antonio. Those were some interesting points, but I really, it's kind of prompted me to kind of move on to my next point, the big whammy. And this is the cost-benefit analysis. Common sense understanding about the kind of cost-benefit analysis that killers go through in making their decisions whether or not to commit a crime in the first place. For example, a criminal will be less likely to commit a robbery because the cost, the death penalty, will outweigh the goods uh, slash money stolen. This will make them think twice about committing the crime in the first place. This goes hand in hand with the fact that the death penalty serves as a deterrent for criminals because many people's greatest fear is death. Therefore, if they know the death penalty is a possible consequence for their heinous actions, they're less likely to perform such actions. Ernest Van Den Haag, a professor at Fordham University, a promoter of the death penalty, says that capital punishment is likely to deter more than other punishments because people fear uh, death more than anything else. They fear uh, death most deliberately, inflicted by law and scheduled by the courts. Hence, the threat of the death penalty may deter some murders who otherwise might have not been deterred. And surely, the death penalty is the only penalty that could deter prisoners already serving a life sentence tempt, uh, and tempt them to kill a guard or offenders about to be arrested and facing a life sentence. Uh, okay, so you think it's a major deterrent? I see it as a bad cost-benefit analysis. We can think of the, th- the hundreds and hundreds of death penalty cases every year that are heard on appeals and after appeal after appeal after appeal in which the process is becoming so expensive for the drug, for the appeals, for lawyers, for housing these people that it might actually be cheaper to just put an individual in their life. Now, I prefer not to look at a human life by a cost-benefit analysis of dollars and instead um, look at it in terms of they're a human being who maybe made a mistake and don't deserve death. Um, but also looking to the specific application of the death penalty, I think it's fundamentally wrong. Greg versus Georgia unfortunately did allow for the death penalty um, through the Supreme Court ruling, although it only allowed for it if it was applied fairly, justly, and and unfortunately. The process today is not fair. It's not just. If you looked at the number of people on death row, there's 50% of those people are minorities. Sorry, over 50% of those people are minorities. Oh, please. They're being targeted. The death, penal- the, death, the, the death penalty punishment in the United States is 38% more likely to be given by a jury to a black defendant or another minority defendant than any other race when that punishment is allowed. So what, what, is your, what do you think about that? Maybe they're just committing more crimes than uh, the rest of uh, the other pop, uh, minority populations. And I just want to add one more statistic to that argument. Now, since 1973, over 156 people have been released from death row in 26 states, not because of appellate problems, but because of later found innocence. 
So people are being put on death row and given the prospect of death when they don't deserve it. I don't think that this should be an option. And nationally, at least one person is, is exonerated for every 10 that are executed. These are stats proving that the judicial system is flawed when giving out this sentence. Okay, so you said, but at least none of these wrongly convicted people have been executed. No one has been put to death, has been found innocent since the death penalty was reinstituted in 1976. No one has been put to death that has been found innocent. Oh, wow, but you put them in jail for that period of time. Okay, finally, the cost of the death penalty should not overturn fundamental moral values. Let's have some sympathy here as a society, not towards cold-blooded killers, but to families who have lost loved ones. The idea needs the death penalty. It's the overall idea of a life for a life. Now, unfortunately, we ran out of time to talk about our first topic about the death penalty. Um, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Trinity College, again. Uh, the Trinity College tennis team, the Trinity College men's rowing team for sponsoring us. We're now going to move on to our next topic of medically assisted suicide. Now, Charlie, your opinion on that? Okay, first I kind of want to introduce the idea that there's a harm from the prohibition itself. It forces people who do not want to continue living without desire to live. It also forces those who do not want to live to turn to more extreme suicide acts such as shooting oneself, jumping off a bridge, or, I mean, maybe uh, drugging themselves to death. So it's your main argument that we think that, oh, so they're going to do it anyway, so we should just allow it? Is that what you're arguing? I mean, that's what, I mean, I think that's the main argument here, yeah. I See, I, I kind of fundamentally disagree, and I think that there's a huge level of societal repugnance in that we're allowing people to kill themselves for no reason. I don't think as a society we should condone the act of taking one's life and I don't think that we should allow them to just kill themselves via medicine instead of reaching out, providing support, giving them means of people to talk to. Their depression, their sad point in life can be a temporary stage that lasts a day, two days, three days, a week, a month, a year. But unfortunately, you get over everything. And let's say we do allow them to kill themselves and they don't get over it. They get over it. They would have gotten over it in a year and we let them kill themselves. How are we going to allow ourselves to, to just let these people kill themselves instead of giving them help? Because they can enjoy a prosperous life, a safe life, a fun life, a family and kids. Okay, uh, those are some solid arguments right there. But you're just kind of neglecting that it should be one's individual right to uh, use... Uh, assisted suicide uh, people can choose how to live your life you should be able to choose how you die it's a positive externality it removes the pain and suffering of a patient who is terminally ill so it's overall it's repugnant not to legalize it to make people who do not want to live anymore that are suffering from severe illnesses like depression or cancer and force them to find another way to kill themselves these people have the uh have uh, no choice. Uh, let's make. Uh, let's not make choices for them. No, this is not paternalism. This is dangerous and evil. Well, so you want to talk about individual rights? Let's. I'll talk about individual individual rights as well. What about the individual rights of the doctors that are that are going to be forced to partake in this activity? When a doctor becomes a doctor, they have to do a Hippocratic oath, and 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 
Part of that oath says, I will give no deadly medicine to anyone if asked, nor suggest any such counsel. You're asking doctors to go back on their morals and kill people. A doctor is supposed to heal, heal, sorry, supposed to heal individuals. It's supposed to bring prosperity to a society, not kill people that are depressed or sad or have an illness that may be cured tomorrow. Science changes every day. There's new ALS medication. There's new therapies. Why are you going to let these people die when they could live tomorrow, the next day? as well as the individual rights of the doctors who are being forced to partake in this practice. Because suicide is not a choice. You, people don't understand that. If, if you are going through some really tough times and, people, and you don't see any other solution besides suicide, then why are we trying to make it difficult for these people that just they don't have the desire to live anymore? Okay, to continue, over 90% of the people who die by suicide have a mental illness at the time of their death. People who die by suicide are not thinking clearly, and they cannot possibly be thinking clearly because their brain is not functioning properly at the time they pass away from suicide. Their brain is giving them overwhelming signals to die. They have a chemical imbalance in their brain and are in extreme emotional pain, and they're saying, you must die by suicide to end this pain. Again, it's an overwhelming condition. They do not choose to die. Their mental illness causes them to die. Just like some people who die from a heart attack or cancer or other things that are out of their control. Suicide is not a choice. Suicide is a health issue. Suicide can, can result if a mental illness like depression or a bipolar disorder goes untreated in the same way that a patient can die from pneumonia if pneumonia goes untreated. I'd like to thank you for giving me a list of points of why the government should take a paternalistic perspective and watch over these young individuals that are, or old individuals, whatever their age, that are trying to, to kill themselves. As you said, it's a mental illness. The problem with the mental illness is the fact that it can be treated and it's temporary. In their internal body, they may feel that they need to die, but in reality, they don't. They just need treatment. They need someone to talk to. They need someone to lean on their shoulder. They don't need to die. We don't need to allow them to die. We should not condone this behavior. A week, a month, a year from now, they will get out of this and they will wish that they would have lived instead of killing themselves. And this thing should not be some whimsical thing in which anyone who feels a little sad can, can just decide that they want to die. And I disagree with the fact that you said that suicide is not a choice. Suicide, I'll give it to you. Depression is not a choice. Mental illness is not a choice. Being sad is not a choice. But suicide is a choice. It is if there's no way out. But there is a way out. Me and you are engaging in a dialogue right now. They can engage in dialogues and decide to live on. They shouldn't have to just die. Now, you have a terminal illness, maybe you should be able to kill yourself, maybe. But not just because you're depressed or if sad. If they're going to kill themselves in a more gruesome, more inhumane manner, like killing themselves or jumping off a bridge, why are we going to make, it, make them and force them do that? And why can't they just die peacefully on a nice hospital bed if that is the decision they are going to make? Because we shouldn't allow them to just kill themselves. But they're going to anyways, most likely. Yes, but 
there's plenty of things that people are going to do anyway. It doesn't mean that the government should simply allow it to happen and condone the behavior and say, here's a safe means to do this. People are going to kill each other through murder. The government doesn't allow murder. The government's job is to watch over its citizens like a dad. It's like a father. You need to watch over your, your children, make sure they're safe, they have food, they have safety, they have sanctity of life, the ability of freedom. This is not, they're, they're in a prison right now, a prison of mental illness that they can get out if they get treatment, not death. Okay, now I just, I kind of want to end with just a quote from one of my favorite authors, Stephen Hawking. I think those who have a terminal in illness are in a great pain and should have the right to choose to end their lives. And those who help them should be free from prosecution. There must be safeguards that the person concerned generally wants to end their life and are not being pressurized into, into it or have it done without their knowledge and consent as would uh, have been the case with me. And uh, I just want to, we, me and Charlie just want to thank everyone for tuning in today for that great debate uh, for prohibitions. And we hope that everyone has a happy holidays now that the year is ending off and, and we look forward to having many more debates. Charlie? Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for uh, all tuning in, listening. I hope you learned something today. I hope you uh, kind of leave this uh, kind of discussion, this debate, uh, kind of with some like side or some sort of ideas on how, where, where your stance is on these issues. Uh, I just want to thank you guys all again. I want to thank Professor Alcorn for a great semester. 